The Sean Kessler Show? Oh my God, you gotta be kidding me. Next time, maybe, okay? Next time, maybe. That means no in a woman's language. I know how to speak woman. That's right. <laughs> I found the subject uh, very interesting. I, 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 I learned something from the show. Oh, what a bunch of Bolshevik that is. You do all those things. You tell girls to hit women. Do you ever go to sleep? No. <laughs> I believe it. No. <laughs> no, no. You, don't, you know why you don't want to sleep? You don't want to sleep because you're going to have to play sleep. For the long sleep, so, you know, you, you put that off. So put that off until you're dead. You're going to lengthen your life by staying awake the extra eight hours a day while we sleep. <laughs> I get a third more done than all of you. Live from the Dad Shack on the beautiful shores of Lake Sawyer in Black Diamond, Washington, it's the Sean Teshner Show. And folks, if you're just tuning in for the first time, any time that you participate in this radio broadcast, your voice is audio recorded and becomes part of the property of this show and will be used for worldwide distribution on the Internet and for profit. We are a listener-sponsored broadcast, and if you'd like to donate, you can go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, or to the link for it on Facebook at The Sean Teshner Show. I can be reached by email at trashner at hotmail.com, that's T-R-A-S-H-N-E-R at hotmail.com, or you can call me at 425-247-8827. I look forward to hearing from you. This is uh, going to be an interesting show today. Last week, episode number 25, we talked about criminalizing self-defense and the fact that uh, the Virginia legislature had put forth SB 64, which is Senate Bill 64, which you're going to be voting on in January of 2020 regarding any type of self-defense training, whether it's uh, guns, explosives, or any type of quote-unquote paramilitary training involving hand-to-hand -hand combat, uh, which could include boxing, jiu-jitsu, gymnastics, uh, wrestling, karate, anything involving a person's ability to use his or her hands to defend himself or herself or to train others how to. And I was saying that that is preparation for slavery, and it's all come down to slavery versus freedom. And what will Americans actually tolerate? Since Americans love their freedoms, but they're slowly being cooked away like a frog in a pot. And I had a lot of people who called in with some very, very interesting comments. Well, I went ahead and posted my show to nextdoor.com out here in the uh, Lake Sawyer Black Diamond area of Washington. And I got one response from a lady named Joy in Lake Wilderness. And she said, why go to the extreme? Why would this ever lead to civil war? And then another response from a person named CJ in Cherokee Bay provides that a person's guilty of unlawful paramilitary activity 
If such a person assembles with another person with the intent of intimidating any person or group of persons by drilling, parading, or marching with any firearm, any explosive, or incendiary device, or any components or combination thereof, which is really not what I was focusing on, that is included in the Virginia bill, and then the response again from the same person, how does marching with guns with the intent to intimidate equate to, quote-unquote, any self-defense training? What possible interpretation of this has anything to do with karate dojos? Question mark. And I looked at this and I thought, wow, is this person serious? Has this person even listened to my broadcast? And my response to these people was, good question. Call the Virginia legislature and ask them. Folks, I'm beginning to wonder how dumbed down Americans really are and whether or not that was a serious question. Now, the person behind all of this seems to be Governor Northam of Virginia, and he was in the news a year ago regarding his fraternity photo in his yearbook where, uh, as a young college student, he dressed up and painted himself with black makeup to make himself look like a member of a minstrel show or an old quote-unquote darkie. And this guy's from down south where we know that discrimination's been heaviest and the civil rights movement really exploded in the 60s and that there's always been this underlying racism that's been going on regarding people of color. So I decided to look into his background a little bit, especially his family name. Since I'm a student of German history, I like to look up the history of names. And I thought, well, North and Ham must mean north of the hamlet or village of something. So I went to Google under something called House of Names, and I found the Northam history of their family crest and coat of arms. Guess where they come from? England, around Yorkshire. And that they had once held a family seat as the lords of the manor. Now, their family crest, interestingly enough, is this beautiful cobalt blue with what looks like a yellow... It's a square, like for contracting or building. And in the middle of the square, there's this large circle with a large capital C. And it could be interpreted as a G. And my immediate thought was, wow, these folks go back to the Masons and the Illuminati. Now, if I'm incorrect, I'm hoping that somebody will correct me but I do see the Masonic square there. It's bright yellow on a blue background. You can't miss it. Um, almost dead center. And I'm asking myself, wow, these people are Southerners, and we know that you know when we defeated England in the Revolutionary War here in this country, there were a lot of people that had sided with the British and had a long British history. And could these people somehow still be tied to the ancient slaveholders? which in reality were the Democrats. Even George Washington had held slaves. And even Thomas Jefferson. 
when I thought to myself, there's got to be a history here. There's got to be a reason why these people are so rich and still in politics. And for what reason? Now, to think about it, if you had lost the Revolutionary War as British people, what would you do to get this country back, meaning America, and subject the Americans, or colonists, as we were so labeled, to British rule again? Other than taxing us to death on our lands and properties, how about a slow and incremental union with those who would try and take over this nation slowly, methodically take over the schools, take over the uh, governments, the police departments, the military, all facets of society, and create some sort of a conflict where we'd be fighting each other, and then in the midst of the fight or afterwards, in would move the one world troops. In my thought, the United Nations. In other words, if you could get rid of a standing army with modern weapons, how about the citizenry that can hide behind rocks and trees and be able to do the same? Except for the fact that modern military weapons <coughs> can look through trees and through walls and see what's on the other side. And whether that's actually a, a means to defeat or not. So short of going that grisly route, probably the first and best method for the British to take us over again, or anyone else, would be to eliminate our rights to, to speak freely, even on a media broadcast such as this. Or to print flyers, make it illegal to own the means of printing or broadcasting. To tell people, well, this is what you can or can't say about people, because your words are like weapons and they might hurt people. So interestingly enough, I read further in this week's news, and it turns out that there was a person in the Virginia legislature, a representative named A. Donald McEachin, and this is according to The Hill, which is a, a newsletter that's on the internet, it's called thehill.com. And it said that he had suggested that Governor Ralph Northam, who's a Democrat, may have to nationalize the National Guard, in other words, deputize them, to enforce the law when it came to dozens of counties in Virginia declaring themselves Second Amendment sanctuaries. Because since the Democrats had taken over the state legislature in the last election, they had decided they're going to go ahead and start these gun confiscation bills and registration. And the greatest fear in this country is, okay, if we have to register our firearms, what's next? Then comes the roundup of the guns and the people behind them. See, folks, your, your thoughts are dangerous. The very fact that you might fight back is enough for these people to put these things in place, whether they're constitutional or not. And a lot of people figure, well, I won't worry about it because they're not at my front door yet. But folks, again, this is incremental. This is like cooking the frog slowly. Until, as one listener last week said, all you got left is boiling water and a bunch of frog legs, meaning you. So, if the state can turn around and say to people, if you're going to be good sheeple or good slaves, you need to 
turn in your firearms if we tell you to. We're going to make a law. And in order to obey the law, you have to follow. Without question, put on your blinders and be good people. I did a little reading up on the history of uh, the Revolutionary War and what really started it. And it was back at the battles of Lexington and Concord. And this was from the history.com website where it said that leading up to the battles of Lexington and Concord, which actually had started in about 1764 with the British with the Stamp Act, the Boston Massacre, the Boston Tea Party, etc., it led up to the British decided that they were going to go ahead and tell people that they had to turn in their weapons, their powder, their bullets, and give up in the name of the British crown or face death. Well, people decided they were going to go hide their guns in the churches. And it was on April 19, 1775, that 77 militiamen had gathered, and the British had told them, throw down your arms, your villains, your rebels. And they fought back with a heavy, heavy volley of musket fire. And after the smoke had cleared, there were a lot of dead and injured people on both sides. The British even had threatened to torch the town. And that's when Paul Revere and a few other militiamen gathered people from miles away and said, the British are coming. They're coming for us. They're coming for our weapons, for our equipment, for our clothing, and probably even for their food. Well, people had had enough. They didn't want to live as slaves. And so the Revolutionary War in America began. And again, as we said in last show, only 8% of the American populace actually picked up arms and fought the war against the British. It's one of the reasons we almost lost. Other people just let them do their fighting for them. Or were on the side of the British. Back in those times, people were called turncoats. In other words, they had turned their backs on the American colonists and decided to side with the British. Well, nowadays, people who look at people who do that call them Democrats. Not far off, folks, from the true meaning of those who want to sit down and allow themselves to be enslaved or benefit from enslaving others financially and with property and with power. Well, the response to these articles and these announcements were that the NRA on their website, the NRAILA.org, said there's no way that the governor is going to be able to do this. Well, the bottom line, folks, is they're trying to. And it's scaring the hell out of a lot of people. Now, if you can weaponize the National Guard to go after the citizens and use them as a test bunch of dummies and see if they'll actually fire on their own American people or if they'll follow their conscience and look at that as an illegal order, I think that's what these guys want to test. And they want to start with Virginia, whose state flag actually says on it that they'll oppose all tyrants, all tyranny. Isn't that interesting? Virginia, Virginia used to be called the Commonwealth, a British Commonwealth, which I find even more interesting. 
Well, it's a lot easier to hide the National Guard troops amongst the American people than it is to walk a bunch of UN soldiers in here with blue helmets, the big white UN riding on their helmets and on their vehicles, and expect that people won't go absolutely crazy. And I believe that's what will happen if they can't get the National Guard to do it. And folks, we're talking about modern-day weaponry. When the Second Amendment was put in place in the 1700s, the idea was to match the firepower of the government with the citizenry and what they had so that the citizens would never, ever be undergunned or not have the same weapons the government had to fight back with. Well, obviously we can't own nuclear weapons and put them in our backyards and lock them up till the next revolution. But you can understand it was to match the firepower at the time that the British Army had, and the citizens would be able to pick up their own weapons that they used to hunt and to survive with, and go after those who would take away everything they've ever worked for, and then some. So what I see happening here is the second American Revolution, an incremental test to see how Americans lacked. You want to talk about social engineering. That's what we're going to talk about today on the Sean Teshner Show. What radio show is this? The Sean Teshner Show, of course. When's that? Where's that? The AI has determined that you are no longer worthy of your salt. You are to be terminated. Action to start in two seconds. Terminate. Terminate. Terminate with extreme prejudice. Terminate. And the board's lighting up. Let's go ahead and take our first call. Well, John, thanks for calling in to the Sean Tester Show. What do you think about this week's developments regarding the Virginia governor and him and his cronies asking the uh, the sheriffs down there to begin confiscating guns once they pass their little fake law in 2020? Well, you know, I thought it was interesting. I was watching an Internet uh, YouTube uh, video on the whole subject, and they had a statement put out by the Gruppenfuhrer, I, I mean the Attorney General, I get the two mixed up. At any rate, um, and uh, there was a motto on top of the, you know, it's a state motto, it said, Six Semper Tyrannus. Right on the motto that he was he was talking about, you're going to be taking away firearms, basically Six Semper Tyrannus means thus always to tyrants. And I thought, well, how ironic. He uses a... Uh, you know, a motto like that, which is the, the state, that's the Virginia state motto. And uh, who's the tyrant here? It certainly isn't the law-abiding people that are just wanting to hang on to their Second Amendment God-given rights. Well, you know, John, what was interesting is he said that if the sheriffs didn't do their jobs, he was going to have the, he's going to call up the National Guard of Virginia and have them do the dirty work of confiscation. And I laughed because... The, the National Guard originally was the militia, so he'd be counting on the people that would round up firearms to protect themselves from the government to go out and confiscate guns from themselves. I mean, that's how daft this guy is. And yeah. I did a little more research on his background. Believe it or not, his name Northam is a British name, and I looked up his coat of arms on Google, and it has a big Masonic um, 
square in it that's yellow on a, a cobalt blue background and a big wow. C or G in the middle. So this guy's got a history of being from British beginnings here in this country, maybe even Illuminati and or a Mason. Well, that doesn't surprise me. Um, yeah, th this, you know, and I was watching uh, Reed Heinrichs on the YouTube channel, mm -hmm. and um, if he's been watching this closely, too, because he lives in one of the bordering states, and he, he's talking about there's counties in other states that border, I'd have to look at a map, but the border uh, Virginia, and they're talking about getting involved in this, too. If, it, if, if push comes to shove, this could easily spread to other states. <clears throat> and I haven't been able to verify this, but yet. But yesterday I heard that uh, our own group in Fuhrer, I, I mean uh, uh, Attorney General, like I said, I get the two mixed up when they act like that. <laughs> anyway, our own uh, Attorney General, uh, Ferguson in Olympia, wants to do the same thing here in this state. Before He's talking about doing the same thing here before he even sees the outcome of what happens down there. Well, it's and, all part uh, of a larger plan. That's how I see it. I, 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 I would like to see them try that in eastern, you know, east of the Cascade Mountains in eastern Washington and see how well that flies over there. Well, what's interesting, John, is I think what they're trying to do is use this whole National Guard thing as a test. Because um, most most troops won't fire on Americans. Uh, the U.N. will. So what they can do is say, well, the National Guard didn't bother to do their job, so we're going to call in the U.N. soldiers. Well, then I hope the National Guard troops do do their jobs when they call in U.N. troops, if you know what I mean. Well, what's interesting is the sheriffs, who have the power of life and death on their hips and are also carrying militarized gear that's been, quote-unquote, donated by the U.S. government, they told him to go pound sand. They said, no way are we going to do this. It's unconstitutional. You know, we have no valid reason to go into people's homes and molest them without a warrant and without just cause. And the, uh, the demon rats down there in Virginia have decided, well, that doesn't matter. If, if you're not going to be our, our good hostage takers, we'll go get the Army to do it. Well, if the Army says no, then what do you do? Then you bring in the One World Government troops, the U.N. Well, it's probably the plan all along. But, you, you know, there was, I think Virginia has 92 or something counties, and over 80, 80 of them now, over 80 of them, have declared uh, Second Amendment sanctuary counties by the sheriffs. And so uh, this is not of the people. This is coming from the tyrants, clearly, clearly. Mm -hmm. And have you noticed the, the, you know, you talk to your average people, your average conservative, they don't even know this is going on. They don't even know what's going on. Well, they would if, if you were to come confiscate their video games, they'd be upset as hell. Yeah. In the name of the British government, surrender your video games immediately. <laughs> yeah. Hand me those controls. Those are dangerous. They might be used oh. to hurt someone's feelings. In fact, while you're at it, go cook me some eggs. Be a good slave and go cook me some eggs. In the name of the crown. Yeah, but this is, I mean, this is so far over the top. You know, it's not just the firearms, too. They're actually trying to make uh, uh, any training and any type, you know, martial arts. That would be a felony as well. Well, and you if know you what want the to keep the slaves down, you keep them from being educated. That means yeah. learning to read and write, first of all. Which is you first know what the main. National Guard needs, or you know what, tell you what, you know what the state patrol, 
in Virginia, the Highway Patrol, State Patrol, whatever they call it over there, needs to do is they need to take uh, wait until there's a <clears throat> they're in session and take about a couple of hundred troopers and go down and arrest these criminals that are blatant. You know, once you know, not right now, but if they if they try to push this through, they need to go down there. That governor and his group and Fuhrer, they need to be arrested and locked up. Well, if their pensions were threatened, they'd probably do it. But, you know, I, I would say if you want to start a real southern revolt, go down there and take away all their stills. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we laugh, but it's their means of making a living. That's what the British did. They went after people's means of making a living. And that's there, what there, really started our, our Revolutionary War. There's a picture of the governor of Virginia, real picture in his youth, when he's standing next to a guy in a Ku Klux Klan outfit, mm-hmm. and he's standing next to this guy, and he's all painted black. Oh, Can yeah. you imagine if that had been a Republican that had done that? Oh, the, the, the media would be having a feeding frenzy. But because he did it, it's okay. And I, I'm sick of this double standard. They can go pound sand. I've, you know, and, and um, this is it. If this isn't the line, if this isn't the red line, and I don't know what is, if this isn't the line in the sand, if this isn't where people are going to say no, enough's enough, then, you know, <clears throat> then I would quote, see if I can quote this. Um, if you prefer slavery over the animated contest of freedom then go from us we ask not your counsel or your arms lick the hand that feeds you and let us never remember that you were once our countrymen if this if this isn't watershed incident if this doesn't you know if this isn't worth fighting over i don't know what is well you remember back in the revolutionary war one of the final things besides the boston massacre and the boston tea party was the stamp act and that's where the British said, if you're going to use even a piece of toilet paper, it better have the British crown stamped on it, or you're not going to get to use it. It's kind of like if you ever buy liquor at the store, you see a uh, similar label over the top of the cap. It's um, some sort of a stamp that you have to pay to the state of Washington when you're buying liquor. And if you don't pay that tax, you get arrested. And well, same I with cigarettes. I would have had no problem using toilet paper with the British crown on it, but um, <laughs> but at any rate, the uh, the <clears throat> something else about this governor too in Virginia, he basically had signed and was celebrating a bill that they signed in Virginia. This is the same guy that said, "Well, now a, a baby can be born, and then we can decide what to do with it, whether to wrap it up and put a diaper on it and give it to its mother, or slit its throat and kill it." This guy is a sick bloodletter. This guy is, and, and if he will do that, if these people will do that to an innocent baby, what do you think they do to you given the chance? And and let me ask people this that are listening, and these are the people we're supposed to give our guns up to? You have got to be kidding me. Well, remember when the Not Revolutionary War's first shots were fired, the citizens had gathered all their guns into the church, and they were protecting them from the British by hiding them in the church. And at that time, people believed in God, and I really believe that was a miraculous thing where God protected our nation so that it could be founded upon his principles and upon religious freedom. And now we have a nation of godless people who don't care whether or not you get what you need because they're all about money and about stuff. And when their focus is on stuff, it's not on God, it's not on spiritual things. And that's why... 
the whole definition of a man has kind of gone to the side and to train uh, youth, especially young males, that it's not okay to fight back, it's not okay to resist, it's not okay to speak your mind, so that you don't learn how to fight back, you only learn how to be a good slave. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what they can do with that. I, I'm just, I don't know, I just can't believe they're doing it. One of the things, my wife and I were talking about this last night, and I kind of came to the conclusion that <clears throat> this isn't something that they just spontaneously decided to do. <laughs> This has been, they have planned this. And I think it's clearly, they have planned it. And especially if uh, Group and Fuhrer Ferguson down at Olympia is uh, spouting out the same, you know, same type of rhetoric. Now, again, I haven't been able to confirm that, but I just heard that yesterday. I haven't even, I haven't had time to look that up. But, you know, that wouldn't surprise me. And, um, to me, that is, I, I just can't believe how foolish that is. Maybe you should wait and see how that turns out down in Virginia. Well, I, I begin to wonder about his own family because he has Exactly. Kids. He has if kids. People get killed, if, if people get killed over this, yeah. do you think those guys are really going to be safe? I mean, where are they going to go? They They're in the Grand Bunkers, of course. <laughs> well, these are state officials. They don't have, they're not set up like the like the tyrants in the federal government. Um, I, I just, I just think, I just think they haven't thought it through. Well, John, when does the enemy ever think it through? Everything's done in the shadows and in secrecy, and in, everything's hidden. It's not in the light. They're like cockroaches; they scatter when the light comes out. And you know, I was thinking about Russell Means. He was an American Indian activist who's dead now. He was a Sioux Indian. He had done a video; it's posted on YouTube, in which he said, "We're all on the reservation now. The whole country." We have to ask permission to go anywhere. We have to have passports. Uh, we have to pay taxes to the government every year, you know, without really truly being able to to keep what we earn. Um, we have to, you know, do things that require our freedoms to be put in check to, quote, unquote, protect ourselves from the boogeymen that the government makes up. And, again, it's about control. And if you think about internment camps, you know, it all started in the Civil War with Antietam and a few others. Um, the whole idea was tested out on the Japanese first during the war, put them in internment camps, put all the Native Americans on reservations. Okay, who's next? Who's yeah. next? Why build camps when you can just surround the whole country with homeland security and you can't even leave the country with a passport if you owe child support or back taxes or anything. You, they'll seize your passport now at the border. <laughs> You're not even allowed in or out. So where is the jail, really? Yeah, well, like I said, I, I have no intention of, of giving up my legally owned firearms. I just I don't. Because I know who these people are. I know what their track record is. We're not talking about rocket science here, folks. You don't have to look, you know, um, look back in the 1900s. I mean, what, the government, governments, not our government, but governments around the world have killed over 220 million innocent people over the last 100 years or so. And um, that's not a very good track record. And disarmament is always, always comes prior to that. Well, you, it's had, hard. you had mentioned something to me yesterday um in conversation and that was that um 
when the government and the police give up their weapons, then you'll give up yours. <laughs> yeah. In other words, that'll never happen. Because the government and the police are never going to give up their weapons. So, what do you think the solution would be? Uh, in Virginia, in particular? Oh, just the solution. Virginia is just a testing ground. Well, the solution, for one thing, is for people to never, ever, ever give up their God-given Second Amendment rights. Period. The First Amendment rights, the freedom of speech. Don't you dare that use that pronoun on me. I don't define myself as this. How <laughs> well, dare you? Too. But but the Second Amendment, without the Second Amendment, the rest of them are, you know, the Second protects the First and all the rest of them. Well, if you have the means of making a living taken away from you and you can't feed yourself or your family, what's the difference? I mean, no well, firearm's going to protect you from somebody making a decision whether you eat or not or your credit card functions or not or when you go to the ATM whether cash comes out or not. See what I'm saying? Then those people, well, then the people behind that need to be arrested. Who's going to do the arresting? Like I said, basically it's going to have to be law enforcement. And if they're they too busy, John, they're too busy worried about losing their pension checks. Well, then they're part of the problem, aren't they? The oh, absolutely. Are, they won't have that attitude or part of the problem. But if you look at most states, most states uh, have underfunded pension plans. In other words, they're working every month to try and rob Peter to pay Paul to come up with the money to keep those people paid so that they don't revolt or put their guns down or take their uniforms off and say, the heck with this. Well, you know, I, I hear the same thing. Honestly, I hear the same thing from a friend of mine who's an accountant. And, you know, after all the church scandals in the Catholic Church and the, the priest lawsuits, they are scrambling to try and come up with money just to keep the schools open every month. And some of the uh, some of the priests have figured out, God, we're running out of money, and nobody's putting money in the collection plate, and nobody's going back to church. So we're going under fast. we got to do something. We can't, we can't sell the Vatican crown jewels. We just got to tell these parishes they got, we got to beat them some more and uh, make sure they pump out more blood for us so that we can stay afloat. All these, uh, all these properties are owned by the, uh, for example, the Archbishop of Seattle. They're not owned by the parishes. And then when these guys get sued, they come along and tell the parishes, well, this is the, the property of the archbishop, we're going to go ahead and close the school or the church, and too bad, go build yourself another church. And they use that money to, to keep paying an army of lawyers to commit the same kind of felonies these guys are doing down in Virginia. It's no different. Well, that brings up a, uh, another point I was just reading last night. I read a headline that uh, the governor of Virginia are talking about shutting off electricity, Internet, um, power to uh, the different counties that have declared themselves Second Amendment freedom zones, which is, what, eight out of nine counties, basically. You know, if they don't comply, they're going to try to force them into compliance. And that, these, Like I said, if they pull this stuff, I don't care if it's the sheriffs, local police, whatever, they need to go and arrest those criminals and throw them in jail. Well, if you've got if you've got a state dominated by a bunch of Democrats that are going to be on their juries, do you think they're going to get convicted, John? The state's not dominated by a bunch of Democrats. They can try them in one of the Second Amendment counties. 
the point is, is that they need if they're gonna if they're gonna go try to go through with this, they need to feel some heat. Because and, and like I said, if, if people start getting killed over this, um, you know, all bets are off. And you know what I want to see? I want to see if they're so hell bent on this. I want to see the attorney general and the uh, governor. I want to see them uh, driving down the road with the uh, troops that are going to go confiscate weapons. I want to see them going door to door. You know? Yeah, I'm. I'm just sitting here thinking. Uh, I'm sure our listeners are as well. Folks, if you have any other ideas, call us here, and we'll see if we can come up with some solutions. When it reaches this point, either people are hopeless or hopeful. And you see that oftentimes most people will just sit back and let someone else do their fighting for them. Even during the Revolutionary War, it was only 8% of the people that actually picked up arms to fight the British. And that's why we almost lost that war. Not only were well, they undersupplied, but they were outgunned, outmanned by one of the best armies in the world. And it took miracles, quite literally, even at Valley Forge, these guys marching without shoes and sub-zero temperatures with frostbite. And their skin coming right off their feet because of the frostbite. To try and march in a surprise against um, the British and defeated them in the middle of night during Christmas. Caught them with their pants down while they were drinking. How often are people willing to do that now? Think about it. Again, that's why I made the joke about Southerners losing their stills and then they'll revolt. Or people up here losing their video game controls. It, it, it all boils down to what people value and whether, they're not, whether or not they're willing to fight for what they value. Well, if you, value, if you value bread and circuses, you, you're not going to fight for anything. But um, like I said, if people in this around the country think that this is going to stay contained to Virginia, they got another thing coming. Because if they if not if, if they don't back down, the governor and the attorney general and uh, the uh, quote unquote lawmakers, or I should say lawbreakers in Virginia in, in Richmond, don't back down. And they're already talking about, like I said, Reed Heinrich's on YouTube. He, he's living in a bordering state. I'm not sure which one. They're already talking about the bordering states and the counties that, you know, they're going in to help Virginia. This isn't going to stay contained to Virginia if this goes hot. It will not stay contained to Virginia. There's no way. Kind of reminds me of the Korean War, how the North Koreans came over the border into the south, started killing everybody, and it took the United States to come in and help save them and pushed them back over the border, and then the Chinese invaded after that. Yeah. Um, I worry about whether the Chinese are thinking about invading us in the middle of us fighting a civil war here. Of course they are. In fact, that, that's one thing I've said to the Chinese and the Russians and probably other countries. I've said that for a long time. i said that, and that's what these fools, these fools, Democratic, liberal, no, not even liberal, they're Marxist, fools and the liberals that are following them aren't thinking about is that if they do this, if they go through with this and they cause a civil war, it won't be us. I'd rather just live a quiet and peaceful life, but I am not going to roll over and just let them disarm me and throw me in some camp. But if they do this, if they go through with this, our enemies will, at some point, our enemies will take advantage of that and attack us. I have no doubt in my mind about that. 
that is precisely what will happen. And that's what that's another thing they're not thinking about. When I said they're not thinking it through, they're not thinking it through. They haven't thought of that either. They, they think that somehow if, if we get invaded by, by Chinese, for example, um, and the Chinese are just going to come up and shake their hands and, you know, just let them keep their jobs and, and all their perks, and it's just going to be fine. No. No, the Chinese are going to want their necks with a rope around it. They're not going to care that they help them take the country over. John, you know, do you remember in the Second World War, Hitler walked into Austria. They called it the annexation of Austria. And people literally just let him walk right in. Same with Czechoslovakia. He said that the Germans that were behind the southern lines, who were German in background and who had gone and helped um, Catherine the Great of Russia teach the Russians how to farm in Latvia, Estonia, etc. He called that the hinterlands or the lands behind the border of Germany. He said, we need to go save those people. They're of Germanic descent and they're asking for our help. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, it's almost the same thing all over again. What's it going to take for people to look at that and say, wow, that history could repeat here. Um, why not go save the Americans in Mexico who are being gunned down by the cartels? You know, we have an excuse to go in now, right? During Teddy Roosevelt's times, it would have been the whole nation saying, go for it. Uh, well, what, one thing I know, uh, you know, like I said earlier, I mean, People need to be aware of what's going on in Virginia. I was I was surprised. I bring it up and to conservative people. I mean, I don't expect people that are you know watching MS LSD or Chinese news network to know anything about anything. They just drink the Kool Aid. But I'm talking to conservatives, and many of them don't. They don't even know what's going on. Like, well, a lot well, of is, John, as long as not stay, this will not stay. John, uh, as long as they can turn the tap and water comes out, or they can go to Safeway and get their their red meat that's been butchered by some guys come over the border working for $3 an hour, they're, they're not going to care. You know, guns at that point in our country were for going out to harvest game and feed our families, and not everybody got game every time they went out. And the old saying was, aim small, miss small. In other words, don't waste your bullets because you may need them tomorrow. Um, the whole idea was you had to be a man and you had to go out and you had to Work every day, chop firewood, haul water, go and harvest animals, try and farm animals just to feed your family. And there was no guarantee against disease or uh, locusts or wildfires or tornadoes. And Americans just don't know how to really survive anymore. We, everything's become grow your meat in a, a lab dish. That's the next big thing. Or eat yeah. red mealworms because we're no longer going to offer you cattle or pork. Think about it. Yeah. Well, like, like Charlie said, and the Chocolate I, Factory, your whole meal comes in a pill. I, I'm, I just, I'm turned 58 years old, and, you know, I really don't care what these left-wing murdering Marxists bloody, and they are bloody people. They are absolutely bloody. And uh, I have no nothing in common with them, and I do not intend on cooperating with them. That's where I'm at. Well, I guess you've not learned how to be a good slave or surrender, huh? No, I have not. Okay, well. Don't care to. We'll have to go after you first. Do you want to volunteer to be butchered, or do you just want to kill yourself? <laughs> yeah, no. It's not going to be just me. Let's hope not. 
Well, John, thanks for calling in today to the Sean Teshner Show. How would you like to go out, mafia style, uh, the zombies chasing you, or uh, flushed? I'll do the zombies, I guess. Okay, here we go. The zombie apocalypse. <laughs> And it looks like we have another incoming call from Slugo. Slugo, thank you for calling the Sean Teshner Show. Hello. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Uh, senor. <laughs> <laughs> this week, there's been a lot of interesting developments in the news. The uh, uh-huh. governor in Virginia has uh, decided to put forth a Senate bill where he's asking to confiscate all the firearms of the citizens in Virginia. And, of course, several several counties have said no way, and they've passed laws to protect their Second Amendment rights. And so he's turned around and said, well, okay, I'll get the sheriffs to confiscate all your guns then and have you register them. And now people are saying, no, the sheriffs have said absolutely not. So the governor and his cronies have said, well, okay, we're going to get the National Guard to come pick up your guns then. Wow. Yeah. That's against the Constitution. Well, do you think it matters to those people? <laughs> well, it's in the Second Amendment, right? It is. Uh, the right to protect your family and all. Yeah. Hopefully. And Does it remind you of the Second World War and what your dad fought for? Yeah, yeah. Pretty disturbing. Anyway, um, a lot of people think that it's a precursor or a test to the U.N. troops coming in at the National Guard won't do their jobs. And, of course, the National Guard was formed from the militias originally, which were the citizens who had the right to bear arms. So it would be an interesting confrontation. What do you think the solutions would be? Well, I I am am an interested uh, ringside observer uh, of all this because you know, in the Philippines, uh, we don't have such laws. But the definitely uh, uh, bearing of arms has been part of your uh, this country's history. So I, I really, I really can't say uh, uh, how I feel about it, uh, uh, Sean. It's it's. Well, let, let me put it to you this way, Monong. You ran a radio broadcast for a long time. How many, uh, years, how many years, years did you run it? Your radio show. Uh, 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 again, again, I didn't quite get that. Oh, how many years did you run your radio show? 14, 14 years. Can you imagine if uh, I were from the government and I showed up at your front door and said, hand me all your broadcasting equipment right now. It's no longer yours. It belongs to the state. You don't have a right to broadcast. You need a license from the state. What you're saying is dangerous, and it might start a revolt. In fact, if you yeah. broadcast one more time, we're going to put you in jail. Well, the pers- the logic uh, on the uh, initial premise is, uh, uh, looks awful. However, uh, a radio broadcast is different from a tool meant to uh, take life away. And violence too. 
now a, a tool, a tool or a medium of communication like broadcast, uh, plays with uh, the value system of people listening in or reading through uh, newspapers. So it, it, it doesn't quite compare. Property-wise, you're right. The effect of the uh, item, that's where uh, we may be splitting hairs. Have you, uh, you know? heard last week's broadcast when we were talking about freedom versus slavery? Uh, versus who? Versus slavery. Becoming a slave. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I read, I came across that. The reason I'm asking is if you're going to be a slave owner, the way to keep the slaves under control is first of all, you don't let them get educated because if they get educated, they might read the Bible or they might learn to read and write and understand that their masters have total control over their lives. Um, the idea that education frees a person and helps a person decide whether or not he or she is a free person. And secondly, that learning to read and write and learning to speak one's mind could lead to the slaves revolting against their masters. Well, uh, that's feudalism. Uh, we have that in the Philippines, uh, uh, the Spaniards did that. The Americans did that when uh, we were not a sovereign country yet. However, um, you know, I guess as time goes by, um, we see results around us. And a fellow human being has all the right to improve himself, you know. Uh, and if they do, the inner value says they will have more grateful elements in their hearts because they gave, we gave them the opportunity to do that. And I think that's the strength of America today is that there is freedom of choice. And if you have freedom of choice, then in your heart rests uh, some God-given uh, uh, item there that says, thank you, uh, the generosity and goodwill, I think is a far more uh, lasting and enduring uh, value than depriving uh, anyone and making the decisions on their behalf. You know, uh, to me, that's that's fundamental. Manang, when uh, when Rizal, your hero of the Philippines, Doctor Rizal, led the revolt that he did, being a very educated person and a medical doctor. Did he write something similar to our U.S. Constitution and Bill of Rights that said to people, you have the right not to have soldiers come into your house and eat all your food and kill your animals and rape your wives and, and enslave your children or burn your house down, ruin your means of making a living, tell you where you can and can't travel, whether or not you can own property or not, whether or not you have the right to get an education, um, whether or not you have the right to say yes or no to serving in the military. Did Dr. Rizal talk about any of those things? No. Uh, Rizal wrote novels, and the novels uh, featured uh, true-to-life situations that were... It's a historical fiction, but it did reflect the signs of the times, and we... Uh, we, we must always give the uh, masses or the population 
an opportunity to think for themselves uh, because they have intellect of their own and they can see rather than blatantly order them not to do this or do that. Well, the British, I think, Manang, the British used yeah. to say, I have to interrupt you, they used to say, well, you have the right to read and write as long as it serves, in the end, it serves the king. But remember, that was monarchy. And it was monarchy out to today. The ceremonial uh, monarchy exists uh, for one reason or another. But, you know, in those times, the work, you know, king is different from an elected president. You see, there's a big, vast difference between those. That's why America rebelled against uh, their former uh, former uh, bailiwick, you know. Well, Malanang, that works as long as you have accountability. But if you have elected officials who aren't accountable to the people, then you have tyranny. Correct. You're so right. You're so right. Accountability is the uh, dominant factor there, uh, Sean. Always, always. And when the, when the Filipinos revolted against the Spanish and took up arms against the Spanish, did it start with the written word first or someone grabbing a gun and firing the first shot? I mean, something broke to where the Filipinos said enough. Yes, of course. There was blatant abuse and lack of accountability and statesmanship. The leadership simply failed. Now, if you have no statesmanship or caring that is perceived by the people. Of course, revolution follows. You know, rebellion follows. I can hear the British now. I've always loved my slaves. I've always treated my slaves well. Why do they hate me? Yeah, because they deprive them of their uh, basic needs. Uh, it is all surface needs. You feed them... Fine, but do you feed their souls and their spiritual findings? You know, uh, yeah, that, that's where uh, statesmanship or uh, pseudo statesmanship fails. You know. Well, at one point, Napoleon, Emperor of France, Kaiser Wilhelm of Germany, and I believe one of the Roman um, Caesars had all declared that they were gods because they had reached a point of selfishness where they had everything they needed from the people and power was what they drank and were consumed by. And it was all about control. And I think when people lose um, their souls and they forget who God is, then they turn to stuff and they no longer serve the light, they serve the darkness. Obviously, at some point, Dr. Rizal stirred some, something in the spirits of the Filipino people to be able to stand up and have the courage to fight against an occupier that had been there for 500 years, had the greatest armada in history, and were a great army. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. Yeah. It's one great thing that's hold on. Yeah. Excuse me, excuse me. Hold on, please. Uh, okay. There's another phone. Uh, hold on, hold on. There she's winning. She's winning. Huh? I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I, 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 a very interesting line you're, you're 
bringing up. Uh, the, the concern that Americans have right now is that what happens in Virginia could happen in other states. If, if the governor turns to the, the state police and says, go take this stuff from these people, and the police say, no way, it's, a, it's no justification for taking their stuff. They haven't done anything wrong. And then the governor says, well, if you're not going to do your duty, well, I'll fire all of you, like Reagan did with the air traffic controllers in the 80s. And I'll just have the mm-hmm. Army come in and have them do the job because they swore an oath, too. But the problem is the Army's going to say, well, we're not going to fire on our own people. So what's next? You call in the United Nations troops, the ones who aren't Americans, who just follow orders, have no connection whatsoever to our Constitution and uh, seeing whether or not uh, our rights are protected. See? Yeah, I see your point. Yeah. I see a very interesting point. We're at a Sean, tipping uh, point at this point. And if people don't uh-huh. wake up and realize that they're being boiled slowly like frogs in a pot of soup, then in the end, we're all going to end up dead frogs and being eaten by our captors as they slowly turn up the heat until we boil. It's nice and warm in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. That's, One of the things I talked about a- about the person who called in before was if you want people to revolt, take away their TV game controllers or run down south and tell everybody, give me your still. <laughs> your means of yeah, making leisure yeah. or living. And you take that away, then you have a revolt, right? That's the tipping point for most people now. Correct. Thank God that Correct. Safeway is still open and that we don't have to go out and hunt, hunt our food one bullet at a time. Right, right, right. So... What do you think the resolution is? Well, that's it, it, a really complex, uh, you know, um, <laughs> in my long years, in this uh, great benevolent uh, green land of uh, Uncle Sam, Sean, I hope you don't mind my no. uh, um, going poetic and romanticizing things. But, you see, I, I have always been a... a dedicated and diligent uh, communications guy. My humble humble research into um, uh, the art of uh, uh, contacting and sending messages to one another, each human being, uh, all comes down to uh, the great institution called media, media, you know. And America was the founder and instigator or organizer or uh, they founded what is known as propaganda if you look at it from one shade advertising to another shade public relations to another shade and psi war to another shade now woe unto the people who cannot see that 90% of the population do not know and cannot read between the lines. And that was purposely done by experts and specialists and mind benders and uh, friendly persuaders of uh, uh, the institution founded on Madison Avenue in New York. And this is a fact. And this has gone through other areas of the world other regions of the world. Uh, the first thing you should 
control is the mind. Because the mind, if it is convinced that there is something going on, and you are craftily able to uh, deliver such astounding, earth-shaking, and romanticizedly packaged message, well, you have them playing and wrapped around your little thumb. And that is what has been going on. There is too much of this that people cannot readily see. You know, when they read something on the airwaves or in social media, that's it, you know, because like, it makes sense. It's logic. It's I like logical. the way you said it was <laughs> romantically packaged. It reminded me of Marie Antoinette before they cut her head off in the French Revolution. Let them eat cake. If they're too busy eating cake, they won't pay attention to what's really going on, which is a revolt. And I like the way you said mind benders. Well, that's what we call social engineering nowadays. If we can uh, grab the people such as yourself who might um, be really good with the gab and convince people, you know, schmoozers, that, hey, yeah. look this way. Those are not the droids you're looking for. They're over here. You know, magic sleight of hand. You can do sleight of hand with verbs and with language, you know, verbal jujitsu, if you will. And you're a master at that, Monong. You're an expert. You're well, a mind bender. You're dangerous because you're you're from the media. I, uh, we need to lock yeah, you well, up. Yeah, you know, you know what, Sean? In every great institution in the free world, there is a group within called the think tank group. They strategize. They analyze, and then they draw conclusions and look for the weak spot where they can penetrate. And part of history is replete with those that had public relations mechanics, mechan mechan mechanisms, that today they stand out, but the men behind them who did all the hard work are forgotten. Why? Because they couldn't afford think tanks or public relations outfits. But the great men, George Washington, Adolf Hitler, whether they do good or bad, they remembered. Why? Because they had the capacity to put things together and make them look good down into the echoes and corridors of history, you know. <laughs> so that's, and the poor layman here reading those things now, well, history does not always teach, you know. History is an interesting uh, um, compilation of things that, you know, are interesting. Some are maybe true, some are not. Some are written by people who hated the establishment. Well, then, two generations down the road, they'll say, oh, what a great guy this was. Well, he was crafted by his apple pickers, apple <laughs> polishers. You know. Yeah. When you're talking <laughs> so about think, must... think tank, I'm thinking of some guy sitting in a tank pulling levers and he doesn't have to think. <laughs> while he runs you over. While he runs over yeah. your radio shack while you're broadcasting in it. Yeah, well, they, <laughs> they get astounded by institutions that uh, are different. Especially our simpletons, you know, they, they're easy to, and they make up the majority, so what the heck. The old, the old joke, to... too, of, of words are weapons. Well, so I'm going to throw some weapons at you, and I'm going to hurt your feelings, and you're going to either 
go away sad or you're going to come out fighting. I, I guarantee you, you're going to come out sad and it doesn't matter if you're a gentle giant or not. I'm, I can be a small bully like Napoleon and still steer you the way I want to steer you. Sure. 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 And, uh, the, the, I still think the inner values of men will prevail. They will always prevail. Well, I'm certainly or, happy to have you on the show again, Manon, because you're wise. And people need to hear from people who are wise, and not us uh, no. middlings, I call us, people who are past their 20s and 30s, but not quite retired yet, just hanging on by our fingernails yeah. and our wallets. Well, you flatter me, uh, Sean, but I, I speak from the heart always when I uh, talk to you, because you are another wisdom-laden uh, uh, dude who knows where... To pick your issues, and I, I marvel at your uh, dedication towards uh, what should be uh, straightened out right, and all that. You know, it's it's it, it's fun. It's fun to uh, yeah. indulge in such such uh, platforms. Mabu hi, Mabu hi. <laughs> yeah. For those who don't yes, know that, Mabu that's, that's like Mabu hi. Long, long, long live, long live. Yeah, Mabu hi. Right on. And keep doing uh, what you're doing because you're planting uh, seeds of wisdom here and there. Hopefully, and hopefully I they'll hope grow. Better flattered yeah. than yeah. flattened. <laughs> true, true. But be careful when you navigate uh, the uh, horizon. And the, you know, I, I I had an inspiration this morning. It says, um, "The silent grace." of the horizon is where the glory of the sunset rests. Hmm. You know? Yeah. The glory or beauty of the, and majesty of a sunset will never be appreciated if you don't have the silent horizon. You know? And that to me, that is so, so deep, you know, so meaningful. I woke up with it and wrote it down in my little notebook and said this can only come from a majestic source, you know. Well, it didn't come from a video game, I know that. <laughs> You're more awake than most people, Mano. Yeah, well, we have to, Sean. Uh, it's not exactly a, a kind world. Well, the yeah, communists, they all say forward or um, awake. Those are their two famous words to get people to to wake up and revolt against the government and enslave everyone. Well, hopefully our words today will free people and make them think so that they can become self-educated and go out and teach others uh, how to how to not be slaves. Right? Well, I I I I, I praise you and uh, congratulate you again. Such uh, beautiful thoughts on a weekend. Sean, and uh, it's a restful season, season of grace, and it's up to us now to uh, pause and think about how valuable uh, our, our, our little tools that we take for granted are, you know? Thank you. Salamat po, Manang. Okay, you uh, take care, and uh, mabuhay again, uh, Sean, okay? Salamat. Talk to you later. Uh Salamat. Bye-bye.
And Saluga, we haven't done it in a while, so we're going to go ahead and take you out mafia style. Here we go. Hey, Polly, I ain't going to tell you again. You know what to do. And unfortunately, we've run out of time. If you have an interesting show topic that you want to suggest, please go ahead and text it to me, give me a phone call, or email me here at the Sean Teshner Show so that we can try and do a show for you coming up here in the next few weeks. Until then, I want to thank today's participants, John and Slugo, for calling into the Sean Teshner Show. And hopefully we've learned something that's going to help us stay free and not become slaves to a tyrannical system of government. Polly, this ain't what I hired you to do. I kept telling you to pay off them senators and them congressmen. They was in our back pockets. Now what are we going to do? The cops are going to be looking even harder. And we don't got enough dough for all them payrolls. You got to get somebody on this right away. We got to fix this. No, you got to fix this, Polly. You need to plant some people like corn. And I mean now. I'll give you a week. Get it done. Now. (laughs) 